Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people, your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. This is Marin Costello Radio. Oh, baby, we've got a great (laughs) episode for you guys today. Rachel is a dynamic public relations, branding, marketing, and communications professional with over 16 years of experience working in beauty and wellness. She's also the founder of RLJPR, a boutique public relations and branding agency based in Los Angeles, California, specializing in the representation of brands and leading authorities in skincare, hair care, color cosmetics, nail care, and holistic wellness. Prior to launching RLJPR, Rachel was an account director at Entertainment Fusion Group and Michael Rogers PR, where she led the beauty division in both roles. Rachel oversaw marketing initiatives at international skincare brand Is Clinical and was director of communications at Swiss skincare line Alchemy Forever in Washington, D.C. Media coverage spans top-tier broadcast, print, and digital, including The Today Show, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Fast Company, Vogue, Allure, in style, L, shape, refinery 29, pop sugar, and so many more. Ladies and gents, welcome my dear friend, one of my favorite humans, Rachel, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I love this day so much. You're so wonderful. Okay, firstly, how are you? I'm great. I'm really excited. Like I said, I'm not used to being on the other the other end of things because I'm in PR. So this is like super strange for me yet exciting. (laughs) Right. So a little background, Rachel and I met like a decade ago. We did some math the other day and we've known each other for just about 10 years. We've seen each other through, gosh, relationships, all the different hairstyles and hair colors, (laughs) style evolutions, hairstyles, right? All the things. And now we're in these crazy phases of life that I don't think either of us thought we would ever be in. Yeah. And you have been in your role as a spearhead of your own company since I've known you. But I think one thing I'm really excited about this interview, because I want to get to know the behind the scenes of Rachel before PR, but also, like you said, PR happens behind the scenes and that machine that is public relations and publicists are so behind the scenes. And I don't feel like it's a topic that gets talked about very much. Like the, the absolute empires and machines that go into promoting brands and promoting companies and, you know, getting exposure. And so that's why you're on the show today. I'm very excited. I know. So a little Little question that we always love to ask is what was little Rachel like? <laughs> wow. Um interesting. I feel like like personality wise. All the things. Like I feel like so my girlfriend um Ripley Raider, who is on the show in season one, she said a phrase that totally resonated with me. And it was she believes that we all come out fully cooked which I love that. And then through our lives, we kind of realize and really develop the people that we are when we come into this world. And I think it's super relevant because you have a little nugget now. So you're, I know, seeing all of his personality, you know, shine through, but 
I know professional Rachel. So what was little Rachel like? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I was really shy and I'm and I an introverted and I still am, which is funny because people that know me for work are like, you're not introverted. And I'm like, no, I am. I'm very introverted. I was when I was younger. Um, I, my sister and I are eight years apart, which I think is part of it was I learned to kind of like play by myself. And I was totally fine with that. I've always been really independent, even from a young age, which has really carried through, I think in my life, as far as being independent, um, you know, starting your own business, you definitely have to be, it's not for everybody. Um, and weirdly enough, my entire life, I wanted to be a teacher, mm. which I don't think anybody would guess that, but I, I wanted to be a teacher from the time I was little and I would play it every single day, like serious business. Like you, if you asked my parents, they were like, oh yeah, my whole life. And then I went to college and I was like, that's what I want to do. And then once I had to pick a major, I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden I said, no, I've been in school my whole life. Like, I don't want to do that anymore. And I, um, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And so I, I was an English major in college, which actually worked to my benefit because yeah. English is great, like writing. And I love that. But yeah, as a as young kid, I was a tomboy. I still kind of am. And tomboy, like introvert and, you know, still kind of am all of those things. So I don't know if I would have pinged you as a tomboy. I, I mean, again, because I know you as a publicist in the beauty space, which as a consumer, I'm like, oh, that's very girly. I know that there's a lot of like men nowadays who are really into skincare, um, but that's more nuance and a little bit, you know, progressive, all things considered. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm like right now that I'm wearing any makeup is amazing. I know I'm pretty low maintenance when it comes to like my hair, like I'm a skincare person. So I'm just like, I, I've, I've never been like super girly, which is ironic because I've always said to people like, just because I'm in the beauty wellness industry doesn't mean that I have to be girly and it's not a bad or good thing. Like there's, I know a lot of publicists who are like super into that in the beauty space. And like some men are like me that are like, no, we're, and the thing is, is we're not up in front of the camera. We're behind. So like, it doesn't really matter if you're in that, but like, I've always been more of like into skin health and skincare first. Cause that's just more me. Like I'm, if I don't have, I, I if it was my choice, I would never wear any makeup, <laughs> but I enjoy helping brands that are in that space. Like, you know, get to where they want to be. So do you remember your first exposure to public relations? Yes. Yeah, so when I graduated from college, um, I interned two places. I were, I interned for Dan Flores communications in New York city, which was quite, is it, I believe they're still around. They were quite a beast as far as like entertainment PR went, they represented everybody like at the time it was like Paris Hilton and um uh I feel like Lindsay Lohan and like they had everybody Ashley Simpson and that wasn't really what it was for me because I was never really like interested in entertainment 
So that didn't really move the needle, but I work, I, and, and anybody who's like in this, I feel like anybody who's ever been in slightly in like the media or like beauty or entertainment knows Daily Candy. Mm-hmm. For Daily Candy. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was an intern for. Daily uh, Candy was the Bible. Well, Daily Candy started pretty much as far as I'm concerned, like really like digital media like i was gonna say like even blogging like all of that they were like Like, yeah as like the destination for all things fashion beauty like hospitality Mm -hmm. they like really kind of started that that uh so i was the the washington dc um editors intern and um you know, Daily Candy started as a media outlet that wasn't like they would just get pitches sent to them and they cover things, but it was like experiential. So like they had everything they wrote about, they had to experience. So like if they wrote about a restaurant, they had to go. If they wrote about a store, they had to go see it. They had to like feel it and breathe it and everything. And Annie Lou Bailey was the um, editor of the DC edition who's since passed, um, passed away very young. And she meant so much to me. You know, I learned so much from her from like the editorial side and she probably didn't know, you know, what she meant to me, but, um, you know, as far as like really learning about like the media landscape and understanding not the PR side, but really the editorial side about how that worked and that, it's not just like you're sitting and writing a story. Like for her, she really took it seriously about going and experiencing things. And most important, knowing the people behind these brands, Mm -hmm. which she was so amazing at connecting with people. Um, And I remember being like, wow, I I wish I was like that. Like she just had this charisma and she had this ability to connect with people whether they were a skincare brand, whether they owned a restaurant, because Daily Candy covered everything. Um, she just, you know, it was, she was so personable. And I just remember being like, I love that one, she, people were so like, if Daily Candy was going to write about them back then, it was like, oh my gosh. So, you know, people were so excited, but there was something in that that made me be like, I'm interested in this space. Like, I'm not sure if it's the PR side or if it's the editorial side. And then after that, I ended up working at Alchemy Forever, which is a Swiss skincare line. And my boss there at Apola talked about a mentor. Like she really inspired me. And that's where I kind of was like, all right, I think I'm going to go into the PR side because I really want to help brands get from A to Z and like help them grow and understand like their story where did they come from who are they because I think that in our industry sometimes that's lost in the shuffle it's like okay we're gonna just promote this brand and get it exposure but it's like let's bring it back to what this is really all about which is public relations you know it's like getting to know the person and getting to know what makes them tick not just like what is your brand? But like, let's really dive in here and get to know you. And I, that's when I kind of, and I was living in Washington, DC at the time, you know, was like, all right, this is, I think the way that I want to, I want to go. 
That was a very long-winded answer, but. No, it's amazing. I'm learning so much. So at what point were you like, great, I'm jumping. I'm going to start my own firm. Like, how did you go from working yeah. with Alchemy to being like, all right, this is it. Um, so I was living in DC at that time. My sister, um, has worked actually also in PR and the entertainment film space for forever. And she was living in Los Angeles. And the joke was like, you know, I kept being like, I'm going to move out there. And she would say, yeah, you know, you've been saying this forever. And I was like, it's going to happen one day. And kind of actually I was in a relationship that ended. Um, you know, as far as like my, I had been at Alchemy forever for, for like three to five years at that point. Um, and I just felt like, you know what, I'm young. Like, what am I, like, what's holding me back? I have nothing to hold me back right now. And so literally like 20 FedEx boxes arrived at my sister's house (laughs) in LA. And she was like, oh, you're doing this. And I was like, yeah, here we are. So I lived in my sister's guest house for like five months until I found an apartment, my like first apartment in LA. And um, now I'm trying to remember. Yeah. So then, and then I, I literally just like, I mean, met with anybody who would meet with me. Like they didn't have, that was my sister's advice. You know, she was like, when you move to LA, it's not like, doesn't have to be somebody in PR just meet with people because that's, that's the beauty of LA. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like meet people and like somebody will go, Oh, I know so-and-so. And And you're going to land somewhere that you never thought you'd land. And I met so many great people because I did that. And I think the culture in LA at that point was very social events were now they're much more common, but the events back then were so much more of a big deal. Like to host an event and have an event and be invited to event. I remember doing an event in, I think, 2015, 20, sometime between 2015 and 2018. And normally you'd think like, oh, there's like a 30% RSVP rate. And then of those 30%, like, you know, you'll get like 50% or of the 30% or something. We had a hundred percent people of of our RSVP list, a hundred percent plus attend. Like we almost had the fire marshal shut us down. I mean, that was like the heyday of events in LA and yeah. like being social in, in LA. So, I mean, I feel like your timing on that was so spot on. And I moved 2010. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is it, yeah, I think it was like December of 2010. Mm-hmm. So Los Angeles, what compared to now, you know, was very different. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, a lot of people say like early 2000s and Los Angeles was like the best, you know, like, um, and I was not there for that because I was young, but um, like, you know, like the original heydays of like Los Angeles where it was like, you know, Robertson and yeah, like (laughs) like the Robertson days, people going to, you know, like. LA's thing I feel like it's not even a thing anymore maybe just because I'm like out of the loop but you know there was always like the hot bar where like everybody would go like that doesn't I don't know I feel like that happens anymore yeah or like the place so there was an energy about LA and I and what was funny was when I when I moved because I'm originally from the east coast 
a lot of people were like, we'll see you back in a year. And I was like, no, that's not, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> right. But I was like, okay. And when I got out there, I was like, no, like there's no way I'm going back to the East coast. Like I found my place. I loved LA. I love the energy. I loved how open people were to meeting, which people, I feel like LA gets a bad rap. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, people are open to meeting. People are, um, you know, back then I feel like maybe even more, but it was just, it was different. It was so exciting because I just, I could do anything. I was like, wow, I don't even know where I'm going to go or what I'm going to do, but this is really fun. And I ended up working at, um, is clinical, which was amazing. That brand is the best and met some of my best friends there. Um, so yeah, it's just funny how you kind of like, if you take that risk and you don't, you know, it's like, do it. Like, what's the worst that can happen? You go back to the East coast or you go back to wherever, you know, like it's worth taking that risk. And then you stayed yeah. for how many years? What? And then how many years did you stay for? In LA? Mm-hmm. I was there for 12, 11, 12. Um, and then we, in January, moved to uh, Arizona, my husband and I. But I'm, you know, because so much of my business is there, I'm pretty much back once a month. Yeah, at least. That's the beauty of living close. For sure. So you worked for Is Cosmetics. And then what was your initial jump into entrepreneurship? So I worked, then I worked for a couple other agencies in LA. Um, so is clinical. I was in-house doing marketing, more marketing actually than PR. And um, I loved it and I learned so much, but I felt like I really wanted to get back into PR, 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 not marketing. Um, and so I worked for some agencies and, um, you know, I I had a few people say to me, would you ever start your own company? Um, And I think it was from what I've been told that my approach was maybe a little different than some other people they had come across in PR. Um, And I think it was simply that I just had like a little bit more of like, I don't know if it's like a personal approach, but I just... I really like to get to know the founders. I really want to know more. Maybe some people were like, huh, we're not used to that. But it did take me a minute. Like I had a few people say that to me and I was like, I don't think I'm ready for that. And then kind of stars aligned. I had a brand um, approach me that I had known for a while and said, listen, well, if you want to do this, we'll be your first you know, client. And that was it. That's again... I just was like, okay, I'm going to take a risk, which is funny because that's not really my personality. Like I'm, I'm one of those people who's like, you know, I like my comfort zone, you know, I like like what I know, but it's interesting. Like sometimes in my life, I, when I look back, I'm like, wow, I've like actually taken some pretty big risks, but at the same time, what's the worst that can happen? That's how I always look at it. It's like, okay, I can, I can try this. And if it doesn't work, then I can go back and work for another company. You know, it's not going to 
So here we are nine years later and I'm still, <laughs> I honestly didn't think it would be like a long-term thing. I thought, oh, I'll do this for like a year or two. I doubt it will, you know, like stick and it, and it did and I'm still here. So how did you know that you wanted to, or I guess maybe you didn't know, but how did you shift your focus into being in the beauty and wellness space specifically within PR? Well, I always was really in beauty and wellness, like from the beginning. I mean, minus my moments with internships and stuff like in New York, um, I literally, from like the time I graduated from college, I was in some facet in beauty wellness. And what's interesting is when I moved to LA, I had been in beauty for a while and I was like, I don't need to stay in beauty. So when I said I met with all different types of people, I literally did. I met with people from hospitality to major hotel groups, entertainment, because it's LA. And what's funny is I literally kept telling my sister, I'm, I want to work in beauty. Like I'm still feeling that pull because I think if you talk to people that have worked in that space, it's something special. It's like this, it's a huge industry, but like everybody knows each other. It's really crazy. And that's what I love about it. And I just get kept getting pulled back. So I, I pretty much have always been in beauty wellness, like from for 16 years. So, um, and I've really been involved in all aspects. Like I've been in-house, I've been at agencies, I've had my own business. So I've really gotten a sense of like seeing all sides of the picture, you know? Um, and so it's just, it was an industry that I just couldn't walk, even if I wanted to, I can't walk away because I just love it. That's amazing. So I know that, you know, PR is an investment and yeah. oftentimes people, you know, there is a, an extended maybe timeline until people start really seeing the benefits. What is that? Cause I also know that, you know, the industry has changed so much as far as like how you get press and social media and, you know, that landscape consistently changes. How long do you usually tell your clients or just people in general who ask your advice to invest, like to expect the timeline to be before they really see an ROI? Yeah. This question is always so hard to answer because PR is really hard to, unlike a lot of other, you know, industries, it's hard to measure. Um, you know, my, when I do take new business calls, I always, you know, I can usually tell if a brand's like, not hundred percent ready or if brand really is ready, you know, it's a very big investment. It's not something that you get involved with for three months and be done or even a year and be done. It's like you get in it and you stay with it and you obviously it has to be the right fit with whoever your publicist is. But, you know, as far as ROI goes, like you can see press quickly, mm -hmm. but from a standpoint of like seeing ROI, it takes a little time, you know, and the, the reality is, especially in the beauty wellness space, um, it's super competitive. So what is, what's the value of PR? Well, it's huge. You know, one is you're going to compared to brands that aren't getting that exposure. You're cutting through all of that competition a little bit and you're staying relevant which is 
a huge part of it as far as I'm concerned, because if you don't have PR, you can get lost in the shuffle because the industry is massive. There's a brand being launched every minute, especially in beauty. So, um, you know, it's really about staying relevant. And I know that a lot of brands come in going, you know, equal, they feel like PR equals sales mm-hmm. and it doesn't, you know, that's two separate things. You know, you have to utilize the exposure that we produce with the rest of your team. So it's a team effort. You know, you can't just get PR and expect to have a ton of sales. Um, it's about like utilizing that PR and that exposure that you get and working with your marketing and sales team to see, you know, what it can get you. A lot of retailers are wanting press. So take it to them and show them this impressive press you're getting. But to me, the, the, the most valuable like aspect is that relevancy aspect and also credibility because more than ever, editors are not covering products or brands they don't truly believe in. So, and consumers are smart, you know, mm-hmm. they're seeing like, they don't care that much about celebrity. They don't care much about this or that, but they care, you know, if a dermatologist recommends it, they care if this editor who's been at this magazine, you know, is going to talk about it. So, you know, it's to answer that question, it's, you know, it's hard to, it's always hard to measure. Um, we can bring some analytics to the table, but at the end of the day, like what I've heard from brands that I've worked with for many years is they've seen this growth over time. So they look back and go, oh, wow, like, you know, our, um, you know, we'll see sales boosts here. We'll see like this growth over a year, but this, but it's definitely not something that will happen over night. Totally. I think one of the things that has helped my brand so much with press is that once you get, it's like getting an education. It's like getting that any sort of a diploma or any sort of completing any sort of course. Once you have that press feature, that logo and that leverage stays with you forever. The relevancy that you're talking about is a hundred percent necessary. And just like, you know, stay on top of your game and sales feeding to press, which feeds into product or service, depending upon your company and all of the above, like they all talk to each other. But I still tell people like, oh, I was featured in Vogue. And that was in like the early 2000s, but it's still relevant in that you can still use that as leverage. It might not have a click through because back then it was all print, but, you know, click through to an article, but still that is such value for a brand to have the the press feature and those consistent features from your perspective. And also, you know, what I, and I think most brands and, you know, understand this is as far as, at least with my approach, like I'm not just concerned with like getting a brand in Allure or in Refinery29. It's beyond that. We're always looking for opportunities for brands, especially today with the media landscape changing. What else, what can we do? Let's look at speaking opportunities. Let's look at collaborations with makeup artists. And when you have a publicist, it's somebody speaking on your behalf every day. Mm-hmm. Like that's, you're not going to, you're not having that if you don't have a publicist. <laughs> so 
the value there is amazing. And it's really about like that relationship, you know, helping your brand stay relevant, thinking of creative ways for your brand to get exposure. These days, it's not as much, it's not all about getting in a magazine because the landscape's changed. It's like, interestingly enough, when COVID hit, um, and I'm sure you saw this too, uh, brands that were mass, you know, mass market brands to niche brands to luxury brands, everybody was like, oh, like our businesses could be gone tomorrow. So let's help each other. And you saw that during COVID, which was amazing for my end to really see was like, wow, these brands, like these massive brands who definitely don't care about smaller brands usually were realizing like, oh, like these, you know, smaller, more indie brands are like, have a huge impact. We probably should partner with them. And, you know, so I, I, that's been a huge different, you know, movement for us because back in the day, 10 years ago, five years ago, you didn't really have to do that type of thing or, or brands wouldn't partner with smaller brands. So it's like so that, true. that to me has been really cool to see is you'd be surprised. You know, I have some brands that are like, oh, they won't, they won't want to talk to us. I'm like, mm, you know, it, one, it doesn't hurt to try. And you'd be surprised because I think the larger brands um, definitely see value in these more indie brands because they have such an impact on consumers. That personal connection that they're able to target is different than more mass market brands. I think the same could be said about influencers as well, right? Like I think back in the day, in the heyday of like, getting a celebrity stamp of approval or, you know, the Robertson days, as I like to call them in LA, getting your product on a celebrity or in, you know, on a TV show or something that held more leverage. Whereas nowadays people are like, yeah, that one influencer is great, but a micro influencer has more of a cult following and might also get the brand more sales. It's just so interesting how the landscape has changed so much. And I think, it was starting before COVID, but I think it really, like to your point, really came to the surface during and afterwards. People really started to take inventory of what's important, what are they consuming, how are they consuming it, do these brands give a shit about something? Yep. 100%. It became much more of of you know conscious consumerism. Yeah, it's been really interesting to watch the shift. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm always about, I think in beauty, it's like <clears throat> a lot of the same messaging, a lot of the same marketing and brands really stood back and went, wait, what are we, what do we want to represent? What do we want to care about? And who do we want to align ourselves with? I mean, I really saw that shift. I don't know if it was like, they just had more time to think about it because they were home more and everybody was working from home. But people really realized, like, these these crazy things can happen to us. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody thought that that was going to happen, that the pandemic. And um, it really made everybody sit back and look at their life all around, like, from family to business. And, you know, part not that and I wanted the pandemic to ever happen, but there was this element to it that, 
um, I think changed us forever, you know? 100%. Yeah. And it's, I mean, all of that to say, it's like, you know, people being ill, that side of the pandemic aside, this is like the byproduct of like what it did as a culture. <clears throat> I'm curious, how do you, what are the inner workings of your business in terms of maintaining your relationships with the folks that are giving your clients press, as well as maintaining your relationships with your clients themselves? Yeah. I mean, I think nowadays it's so different. Everything's so virtual. There's 80 different ways for us all to connect. I know I used to go to New York a lot, even prior to the pandemic. Uh, editors are really changing kind of how they want to connect. So um, for me, it's just, you know, especially the girls in Los Angeles that I've known for a long time, just staying in touch with people through the years, um, you know, has been huge for me. Um and, but now everything's so different. Everybody is, to be honest, the editors in New York, when we used to go to New York for meetings are now like, you know, we really prefer virtual, which is kind of, it has its pluses and minuses, um, you know, because you don't have that in that one-on-one -on -one, like in-person, but it also does make it easier to touch base and connect with people um, from that editor side and, uh, cl my clients, I mean, it, a lot of my long-term clients have become like family to mm -hmm. me. Um, you know, for me, I take it very seriously when I work with brands. Um, you know, I, for me, it really, they do become part of like the RLJPR family in a sense where, like I said, I, really do want to know them because to me, the founders are the most important element to a brand. They're the heart of the brand and their, you know, their passion tells the story and keeps a brand alive. So for me, all of my clients pretty much know how I am. I mean, I'm like, you can call me anytime. I talk to clients every other day, you know, on the phone or on email every single day. So like my approach is super hands-on, um, you know, and I've always told when people ask like, how do you find the right publicist for you? I've always said it's literally like dating <laughs> <laughs> because it is, I mean, you have, if you don't, if you don't align or uh, connect with your publicist, it won't work. You have to have the I mean, literally, it's like being in a relationship <laughs> um, because you want to work with somebody who has the same kind of a personality and approach um, that you do. And this person that you hire is going to be talking about your brand every day. So mm -hmm. you want to know that it's, you know, going to align with you. So are there seasons in your work that are heavier and more intense than others? Or is PR just pretty much consistently busy year round? I mean, because obviously in fashion, like holidays, bananas. Yeah, it's in, well, I would say we've always kind of noticed summers are a little bit slower mm -hmm. because editors tend to take vacation. Mm -hmm. um, but we're 24 seven. Mm -hmm. Like it's never, we can't. I mean, if you choose to be in this industry, you don't really have a choice to like go on a vacation and not 
and check out, you know, like you can't. Right. Well, you can, I guess, if you work like at an agency and there's 20 people on your team. But for me, as the owner of an agency, I don't have that option. And to be honest, the brands that we work with are so amazing that if I, which I have not taken a vacation in a hundred years, but if I did, they would understand, you know, that I was on vacation, but there's always this in the, you're always checking your email. You're always, um, there's a, there's a, really, it's a big responsibility mm-hmm. to be, to have for me, a lot of times the honor to, to like work with these brands um, and that they chose us to be like their ambassador. It, that's a, that's a big responsibility. So like, no matter what, if I'm on vacation, like I'm still going to be checking my inbox. Do you, I'm, I'm curious of the cadence of public relations in terms of, you know, are there, do you create pitches to different outlets based on the seasons? Are there, you know, do they reach out to you and say, Hey, we're looking for X. Like, what does that relationship yeah. look like? It's a little bit of both, um, you know, being in the industry for so long, um, you know, there's editors that have been around for as long as I've been and longer. And then there's a lot of young editors coming in. Um, so we get, I would say it's probably a half and half. Like I'll get emails from editors who know who my client rosters, you know, my client roster is um, and say, Hey, I'm working on this story. Do you have somebody that can comment or do you have a product that'll be a fit? Also we're strategic, you know, on our end with like, okay, what is, what's coming down the line? You know, when it comes to print, we're looking like five months ahead. Digital is a little bit quicker, but it's kind of all over the map nowadays. Like you can, you know, it's going to obviously come out a little bit sooner than print, but it can take a month, you know, to see digital. But, you know, we really started for holiday looking at that and getting those details together in the summer. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of always looking out. And the other aspect of that is what's going on in the world. You know, you know, what can our brands do to support whatever is happening? Um, You know, a lot of the brands that we work with are very charitable. So kind of like looking at that, um, also looking at kind of what's happening internally with brands. Maybe they have a launch that we have to start setting up a strategy. So there's a lot of moving parts. Um, but we also get, because we've been working in the industry for a while, we'll get, you know, emails from editors too. What platforms, if any, do you use to keep yourself organized and to maintain, I don't know, clarity? I imagine that you have a pretty significant client roster and you have, I mean, I know it fluctuates here and there, but to keep everything aligned and to make sure that everything is working as it should. And I mean, I imagine that follow-up is a huge part of PR. Um, How do you keep those, you know, streams of thought and that communication clear for yourself? Yeah. Um, I'm super old school. So I know there's like a lot of these platforms that are like Slack and no. Um, (laughs) 
I have had clients be like, do you want to come on our Slack channel? I'm like, like it's so I'm not super old, old school, but I'm old school. Okay. So I write everything down. I Hold love on. that. Here's my note. One of my notebooks. Um, I write everything down. I usually write a daily to-do list for the day and then I'll have like a weekly to-do list, but I write it all. And then I, my Google calendar, I wouldn't be alive if I didn't have that. Um, I use Excel a lot, um, for like pitching and maintaining kind of like what pitches, who's it gone to when we followed up last, um, as like my core kind of, and then I have media lists, but it's all through Excel. I feel like some publicists are going to laugh. And then, um, and, and word document <laughs> is I, my clients each have a ongoing like report every month and I just update that, but I'm like a super organized person. So it's very simple and streamlined, but it's what works for me. And I'm not one of those people that's like, has all these applications. I'm like, that doesn't, that makes me more stressed out. (laughs) I love that. I mean, you have to do what works for you. Yeah. No, you have to do what works for you. It's interesting because I definitely consider myself to be like a pen and paper type of gal because, you know, communicating with my team, I have, you know, shifted to more digital platforms to make it more streamlined. So I'm not doing double work, but I appreciate the old school. I mean, that's like where the, I feel like that's where the magic is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I have a colleague that's on the East coast, but it's pretty much me. Um, you know, at times, depending on kind of how the business, you know, grows or gets busier, we'll have people come on. Um, as consultants, but it's, I'm pretty much a one woman show and my colleague Terry um, on the East coast. And so I don't have to have some elaborate scenario, but um, it really is what works for whatever works, whatever makes you organized, you know? And that for me has always been being old school. I love that. So if there is a brand um, that is considering getting a publicist, what are the things that you feel they need to get together before coming to someone like you? Well, I think there's a pressure for brands to feel like they need to get a publicist like immediately. And that's not true. I mean, in a perfect world. Yeah. If you have the budget, um, you know, a lot of what I do, to be honest, other than PR is brand consulting, which is where this comes into play is sometimes brands come to us and they're either new, newly launched, or they have been around for a minute. And they're kind of like, we don't know what we're doing wrong, or we don't know what we need to do. And a lot of times that's when I come in and go, okay, here we go. We're going to a to Z look through kind of what you're doing um, from your messaging to your website, to your social, to your bios, to like, how are you being presented to the world? Um, and once that all gets squared away, another huge, I always tell um, brands, even if they have everything perfect, like their website looks great, it's user-friendly, their social media is engaging, 
oftentimes their story is not resonating or um, they have a story, but it's just like, it needs to be flushed out. So those are things that I start with. Um, and I love, actually, I love doing that almost more than anything because, you know, I think when brands are so in it all day, they don't see some of that stuff. You know, mm -hmm. I have brands all the time that go, oh gosh, we didn't even notice that. So that's something that's really important. Obviously budget is important, um, which you would think was obvious. I think it's important for brands to do a little research about kind of what the average PR retainer is. It so varies, but it's, I think something that brands should do and then go to a publicist or go to a brand consultant and say, like I said, like, take a look through what we have and let us know what you think. Does it resonate with consumers? Does this, would this resonate with media? Like that's so important before mm -hmm. you get going. And then beyond that, what are your images look like? I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. And if those things aren't where they need to be, I won't, not that I won't work with them. I'll work with them to get everything there and then we'll do PR. But it's really important that you you have your brand presented in the best light or exactly how you want it to, you know, and also like how, like messaging wise, how is the brand being presented? All of this needs to be really flushed out before you go anywhere near the the media. I love all of that. I also think it's important for brands to give, and this is a concept that comes up quite a bit on the show is the the concept of permission, but to give for brands and brand owners to give themselves permission to evolve and change and do that sort of an audit on their brand consistently. I mean, we're launching a brand new website with brand new imagery and all this stuff next week. And I've been in the game for a long time. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, in PR and in, in fashion, especially you're working so far in advance that by the time you get there, sometimes you're like, oh, I'm already sick of this. Like we already, we did this like, you know, six months to a year ago. But mm -hmm. with that being said, it is really important to carve out time to take inventory of what your brand is, what your messaging is, if it's still aligned with you and change and evolve, like evolve. And if it also, if it doesn't work to your point earlier on the show, then you can go back. You can always move back to the East Coast, Rach, if it doesn't work in LA, you know? <laughs> no, that's a that's a really good point. I'm glad you said that because um, I have had brands that are scared mm -hmm. to do that. And, and they're like, but, you know, we've been doing this for so long. And I'm like, well, how's it working for you? You know, mm -hmm. like also it's, this is the truth. Consumers right now, like if I could say one thing, Consumers right now are are looking to a like they're looking for a brand that they can relate to. Okay. Don't hide things that you think could now obviously if you don't want to show them, that's one thing, but you know, some people don't want to say that they're a mother. Some people don't, and I'm like, that's huge because you know, sharing some of these personal things about yourself or what are you passionate about is what will change the game for you. It's your way of connecting and building trust with consumers. 
I have to think about it. I'm sure you do as a consumer, taking myself out of the PR game and going, what makes me want to buy a product? Whether it's jewelry, fashion, beauty, what is it? And like looking at that, because that's super important. Um, you know, and I tell brand or founders that I'm like, you have to take yourself out of your product for five seconds and like, think about what, you know, what makes you click purchase? Mm-hmm. Um, what makes you curious about a brand? And I bet you it's something with the founder story. It's something that's connecting you to it. So like you said, it's so important as you move along to keep looking at your brand and saying, okay, does this still like speak to me? You know, does this still like, you know, reflect exactly like kind of what my passions are and it's okay to evolve. Totally. And, you know, take inventory of what the market is telling you, right? So for example, now everything in my line is hypoallergenic and water resistant and it, you know, it won't affect your skin and all this stuff. I don't have sensitive skin. I can wear any type of material under the sun, but the market told me, Hey, if this product doesn't turn your skin green, or if it doesn't tarnish, or if it doesn't rust, or if it doesn't like affect your skin or give you a rash, you're going to sell a lot more to a lot more people. So we changed everything two years ago. And that's still a message that, you know, even though it's like, we're hammering it over the head, you know, from our perspective, people are like, oh, really? This won't turn my skin green. It's like, no, like we changed everything. Like we flipped everything on its head, you know, at the start of the pandemic to your point of taking inventory and asking questions and evolving during the pandemic. So it's important to, to yes, ask yourself what makes you tick, I think, but also what makes the consumer tick. Yes, listening. Mm-hmm. listening. Exactly. And we have so many different vehicles to get that information now. Mm-hmm. Like listening to the consumer and what they want. Maybe the brand that's been going, maybe you own a brand and it's been around for five years, but you're not listening to what your consumers or your fa- your loyal following is asking. They're mm-hmm. not going to stay if you don't listen. And also coming from a place of humility and saying, tell me how you really feel. Because a lot of people, unless they're like a Karen, like chewing you out on the internet, a lot of people who are a lot of customers who are close to you might not feel comfortable telling you exactly how they feel about your product. So you know, getting into a space, like giving them an opportunity, even like giving you notes anonymously if they're, if it makes it more comfortable, but holding space so that people really do feel comfortable sharing how they really feel about your product or service with you so that you can continue making it better. It's important. Mm -hmm. So what is the, what are the next steps for RLJPR? What's in the pipeline? (laughs) You know what? It's, as I mentioned to you, um, offline, um, you know, my, my world has changed a lot because I had a baby, um, who's, I keep calling him a baby, but he's like a toddler. He's, he's like an old man trapped in a baby's body. And I tell you, (laughs) is that good? (laughs) Jack, the Jack, I, I like, wait, I wait impatiently for Jack content. He's cute. Oh my Thank gosh. He you. is unbelievably Thank delicious. We live for Jack. Big Jack fan. <laughs> Jack. Um, 
you know, he's almost 15 months and that, uh, has changed things for me for sure. Like as far as, you know, is one, it's funny what you read about before you become a mom. And then you're, when you're in it, you're like, Oh, like, you know, all of, all that stuff about balancing, you know, being a mom and, and having a business is legitimate. Um, it's hard, but it, you find ways to, to do it. That being said, you know, it's definitely, it's different. It's different now. Like, you know, I spent nine years building a brand. That's all I did. That's all I, you know, and now it's different. Um, I think that it changes the way kind of I approach brands that I work with and kind of like how I spend my time um, because my time is valuable and I want to be able to spend time with my son too uh, and my husband. Um, so, um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I think that I'm still doing what I've been doing and, you know, I'm working as much as I can, but I think that I, I've like adjusted kind of like how I spend my time and, and who knows what will happen in the future. But, um, you know, for now we're just plugging away and trying to balance the two parts of my life that are insane, (laughs) (laughs) insane and good, but also so much fun. Yes. It's, I mean, it, it, it's crazy. Like, you know, having a child when you're considered older, you know, is, is, I don't know. I, my husband and I are like, wow, this is a young man's game. Right. And young woman's game because yeah, that's why people have kids when they're younger because they have more energy, you know, but no, it's really, it's really fun. It's just, it truly is. Like I definitely read these entrepreneur profiles from some of these women that I'm like, wow, I don't know how you do it with like four kids and like, what's her name that owns Spanx? I was just, I was just thinking of her, Sarah I'm Blakely. obsessed with her. She's amazing. Is she ever stressed? Like she seems so, and I'm like, you're running this empire with how many kids does she have? Three or four? Five. Four. And it's just amazing. And her approach is so cool. I want to be her. (laughs) Word. Word. On that note, where can we find you if people want to connect with you off the show? Yeah. Um, We are, so website is rljpr.com. And then same is for Instagram. It's just rljpr. That's the best. You can send me a, an email or a direct message and I'd love to connect. You're amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You, I'm like, this is so nice. It, I felt like we were catching up on life and work. So that was fun. Because we were. I, yeah. I remember in the beginning, you were like, I don't know. I'm usually not the one in front of the camera. I'm like, it's just going to be a little catch up. I don't know what I talked about. So <laughs> oh I God. often... I often black out on the show too. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I adore you. So Thank you. You're the best. Thank you so much.
Well, folks, that interview was just the best. A huge thank you to Rachel for coming on the show. Another thank you to our hosts at Dash Radio and our producers at Island City Media. If you like this episode, you can listen to it again and again on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please leave a review so we can continue bringing you the people and conversations that you love. Lastly, if you want to connect with me offline, you can find me at MarinCostello.com and MarinCostello Radio on Instagram. Have a beautiful day, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week.